Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including guests, uh, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance, Keith Flaw. Michael Cannon is the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Seton Motley is the president of Less Government. And Bill Barnett, the former mayor of Naples, will be joining us as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. It is March the 29th, and on this day in 1981, President Ronald Reagan was shot in the chest outside a Washington, D.C. hotel by a drifter named John Hinckley, Jr. The president had just finished addressing a labor meeting at the Washington Hilton Hotel and was walking with his entourage to his limousine when Hinckley, standing among a group of reporters, fired six shots at the president, hitting Reagan and three of his attendants. White House Press Secretary James Brady was shot in the head and critically wounded. Secret Service agent Timothy Carthy was shot in the side, and District of Columbia policeman Thomas Delahanty was shot in the neck. After firing the shots, Hinckley was overpowered and pinned against a wall, and President Reagan, apparently unaware that he'd been shot, was removed and shoved into his limousine by a Secret Service agent and rushed to the hospital. The president was shot in the left lung, and the 22 caliber bullet just missed his heart. In an impressive feat of over a 70-year-old man with a collapsed lung, he walked into George Washington University under his own power. As he was treated and prepared for surgery, he was in good spirits and quipped to his wife, Nancy, Honey, I forgot to duck. <laughs> what a great sense of humor. He was a great man. And to his surgeons, please tell me you're Republicans. <laughs> Reagan's surgery lasted two hours, and he was listed in stable and good condition afterwards. The next day, the president resumed some of his executive duties and signed a piece of legislation from his hospital bed on April 11th. He returned to the White House. Reagan's popularity soared after the assassination attempt, and in the end of April, he was given a hero's welcome by Congress. In August, the same Congress passed his controversial economic program with several Democrats breaking ranks to back Reagan's plan. By this time, Reagan claimed to be fully recovered from the assassination attempt. In private, however, he would continue to feel the effects of the nearly fatal gunshot wound for years. Of the victims of the assassination attempt, Secret Service Timothy McCarthy and D.C. policeman Thomas Delahanty eventually recovered. James Brady, who nearly died after being shot in the eye, suffered permanent brain damage. He later became an advocate of gun control, and in 1993, Congress passed the Brady Bill, which established a five-day waiting period and background checks for prospective gun buyers. Uh, President Bill Clinton signed the bill into law. After being arrested on March the 30th, 1981, 25-year-old John Hinckley was booked on federal charges of attempting to assassinate the president. He'd previously been arrested in Tennessee on weapons charges. In June 1982, he was found not guilty by reason of insanity. In the trial, Hinckley's defense attorneys argued that their client was ill with narcissistic personality disorder, citing medical evidence, and had pathological obsession with the 1976 film Taxi Driver, in which the main character attempted to assassinate a fictional senator. <clears throat> His lawyer claimed that Hinckley saw the movie more than a dozen times and was obsessed with the lead actress, Jodie Foster, and had attempted to reenact the film and the events in the film in his own life. Thus, the movie, not Hinckley, they argued, was the actual planning force behind the event that occurred on March the 30th, 1981. I'll just submit to you that I think that to some degree, anybody who tries to kill another human being has to be somewhat insane. <clears throat> The verdict of uh, not guilty by reason of insanity arose widespread public criticism, and many were shocked that the would-be president assassin could avoid being held accountable for his crime. However, because of his obsess obvious threat to society, he was placed in St. Elizabeth's Hospital, a mental institution. In the late 90s, Hinckley's attorney began arguing that his mental illness was in remission, and thus he had a right to return to normal life. Beginning in August 1999, he was allowed supervised day trips off the hospital grounds and later was allowed to visit his parents once a week uh, unsupervised. 
The Secret Service voluntarily monitored him during these outings. In 2016, he was given a conditional release to move in with his mother in Williamsburg, Virginia. In 2018, a judge ruled he can now live within 75 miles of Williamsburg, provided he meets regularly with a psychiatrist and social worker, among other conditions. Unbelievable. The story of John Hinckley and our great president, President John Ronald Reagan. Well, the Manhattan grand jury that's been hearing evidence against former President Donald Trump in Stormy Daniels' hush money case, uh, they're going to be taking a recess for a month. The break, which was uh, will cover the city's school system's week-long spring recess next month, was pre-planned, according to a source uh, familiar with the matter. It was also uh, pushed back any potential indictment of Trump in connection with the uh, hush money uh, case, the uh, Stormy Daniels case. Uh, I, may, I begin to wonder if, in fact, uh, this is just buying some time and slowly, surely it's just going to fade off the radar screen and we're not going to hear any more about it from uh, from the DA's office. Trump's already said that they've dropped the charges. Of course, he doesn't know that, and, and I think it can only stir up uh, bad feelings with the attorney general, but that's another story. On debt ceiling negotiations, we've made no progress on debt ceiling talks. That, according to House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, I'm always an optim. I, I, I'm always an optimist. He said, "I'm not now." Congress periodically needs to lift the debt ceiling and uh, the maximum amount the federal government is allowed to borrow to cover spending obligations. House Republicans are refused to lift the ceiling without promises of spending cuts. The White House has taken the position that while spending cuts need to be made, it's not going to negotiate on the debt ceiling and expects Republicans to lift the limit. I don't think that's going to happen. I think this is going to come down to uh, the last minute and some door to, uh, some sort of deal struck. Uh, the president thinks he's in a strong position, but I think uh, he's not. President Joe Biden said Tuesday that he would not invite Israeli Prime Minister ben- Benjamin Netanyahu to the White House, contradicting an explicit promise made earlier in the day by U.S. Ambassador Tom Nides. Biden's frame of, uh, framed his refusal as a response to Netanyahu's proposed judicial reforms, which aim to increase the power of the legislature, justice uh, allowing it to approve judges, as the Senate does in the, in the United States. In response to rumors of Netanyahu's visit, Biden told reporters that there would be no such invitation, no, not in the near term, he said. What hypocrisy. <laughs> you know, here's the guy that wants to pack the court, and <laughs> he's... Uh, he's uh, uh, somehow virtue signaling uh, to Netanyahu and, and to the others in the United States. Unbelievable. And by the way, uh, Biden's latest job approval rating is 40%, a sixth consecutive rating in the 40 to 42% range. He's also underwater in ratings of his handling of four key issues, the environment at 43%, in energy at 38%, foreign affairs at 38%, and the economy at 32%. I just wonder who these people are that approve of of his handling of any of these issues. Nevertheless, 44% of Americans work a second job, a 13% increase relative to the Trump administration. The recent increase under President Joe Biden is highlighted by a survey from FlexJobs, which found 69% of employed professionals either have a side job or want one. The desire to work longer hours at a second job comes as Biden's 40-year high inflation cost Americans an extra $5,200 in 2022, or $433 per month on average. That's according to Bloomberg. So uh, the numbers for employment are staying steady and up, but it's a lot of folks are just working second jobs, trying to meet their bills and do just to get by. Well, after repeatedly refusing to answer questions and not knowing answers to other questions posed to him during the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee uh, hearing, Senator Ted Cruz, what a rock story, he was great, told Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas he should resign. At the Tuesday hearing on oversight of the agency's task with securing the border, Cruz asked Mayorkas, is there a crisis at our southern border? Mayorkas replied, there is a significant challenge. He just continued to evade. He didn't answer one question directly. And then Senator John Kennedy explained that three steps he would go to help resolve the border crisis and what he learned after drilling Secretary Secretary, uh, Mayorkas with questions about the border on your world. Here's what I learned today, he said. I learned today that either Mayorkas believes that 
and completely, completely open borders or is not qualified to manage a Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> he's always got the uh, humorous quips. Now he's not incompetent. He's, an intel- he's not an unintelligent man. It is clear to me after listening to the secretary for about three maybe four hours, that he believes in open borders, Kennedy said. There are three simple steps, one of which I uh, I asked him about could solve the, th- the three-quarters of the problems tomorrow. He refuses to do any of the three. If you want to seek asylum, you should seek asylum in the first safe country other than your own. In most cases, that's Mexico. And if you go through Mexico and don't seek asylum but come to the United States, we'll turn you away. That's the first thing. Number two, if you do start in Mexico and seek asylum in the United States, you fill out the paperwork in Mexico and you stay in Mexico until at the time for your court date. And number three, when you go to court... If you lose, and most asylum seekers do lose, then you are deported immediately and not allowed to stay in the United States permanently. These three things will solve three-quarters of the problem. I repeat, I have concluded after today he just believes the borders ought to be wide open. I think that's such a great observation. I also wanted all of us to be aware the three recommendations he made would solve all the problem, but it'd be a nice start. Absolutely. Well, James O'Keefe has not allowed his forced exit from Project Veritas to stop him. His new journalism outfit, O'Keefe Media Group, or OMG, has just released a video uncovering evidence of what O'Keefe calls a possible money laundering scheme for the Democrats. Some individuals reportedly appear to have donated thousands of times over a relatively short period of time to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars to Act Blue and Biden for president uh, based on Federal Election Commission records. FEC doesn't show uh, data shows that some senior citizens across the U.S. have been donating thousands of times per year, O'Keefe began. Some of these individuals' names and addresses are attached to over $200,000 in contributions. We went and knocked on a few of the doors to corroborate uh, the data that we received from the group of citizens journalists called Election Watch in Maryland. The video then showed O'Keefe visiting someone who is listed as donating $217,000 through 12,000 separate comp- contributions. Can you imagine that? This money was earmarked for various entities through leftist platform Act Blue over three years' time. Some of the donations were made with variations of the person's name and address, O'Keefe stated. The data he obtained was uh, state and FEC data. Uh, we we're wondering if these uh, donors are, act- are victims of what appears to be a money laundering scheme or if the residents actually participated in the scheme. We're making phone calls. We're knocking on doors. These are the things that you can do, and we hope we do that. There's bizarre amounts of data on homes and individuals making thousands of dollars of donations. And uh, <clears throat> the first person shown opening the door to O'Keefe, a marital listed as uh, donating $32,000 and 3,000 different contributions, said he was unaware of the donations but advised O'Keefe as a solution to hit uh, Trump with a bat. <laughs> the man added, I want to see a scar on his effing head. <laughs> now stop... Uh, Screwing with me, he basically said and slammed the door. Another donor, Cindy, according to O'Keefe, supposedly donated $18,000 and over 1,000 donations to Act Blue uh, in 2022, which would nece- necessitate donating three times a day, every day for the whole year. When asked if she donated the 18000 she responded with a quick laugh, I doubt that. I don't think so. I wish I could donate it to 18000 to Biden's presidency. So you see, this is somehow these... Uh, le- contributions are being mislabeled. Where'd the money come from? Well, who knows? Maybe George Soros? Uh, who knows where the money came from? But the point is, uh, this is all being money laundered, and uh, the sources are being obfuscated uh, by uh, the Democrat Party. Typical. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. 
Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by internationalhealthplans.com. If you're planning on traveling abroad, you may not be aware that most health insurance plans don't cover international traveler when you're out of the country. You want to be able to travel with confidence and uh, know that you're going to be taken care of if something happens, an accident or injury. And you can do that by visiting the website internationalhealthplans.com, internationalhealthplans.com. Coming up, uh, we're going to be visiting uh, with... Uh, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us the founder and CEO of the Florida Citizens Alliance, uh, Keith Flaw. Keith, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Uh, we focus on K-12 through education. Uh, we're very active in, in promoting uh, initiatives like uh, school choice, expanding school choice. And, of course, we're always against uh, the indoctrination that's taking place in our schools. Uh, we've been very involved in uh, a couple of years ago in getting rid of Common Core, uh, rewriting Florida's civic standards, and uh, and now we're uh, you know we're trying to get the pornography uh, and the LGBTQ indoctrination of young children uh, age inappropriate uh, out of our schools. Yeah, you, you know, I must say, uh, I think the Florida Citizens Alliance has gotten tra- great traction in uh, Tallahassee. has great influence and positive influence on uh, edu- public education in Florida. Just really want to congratulate you and Pastor Rick for the great work that you're doing. <clears throat> uh, I understand the uh, the governor was in town yesterday. Did you do anything about that? Yeah, actually, I was there. I was standing room only. Uh, he was there with. Uh, Senate President Kathleen Pasadomo and uh, Paul Renner, the Speaker of the House, was there along with a, b- a bunch of other dignitaries. Uh, he actually signed uh, a housing bill. It's not one that we spent a lot of energy in because uh, it really isn't in our education lane. Uh, but it was he touted it as the uh, most expansive housing bill um, in Florida, Florida's history. Wow! It uh, it created a a series of funds uh, to uh, designate uh, $711 million to various different housing efforts uh, to include the hometown heroes. The bill was labeled uh, Live Live Local Act. And Uh the whole point of the bill was trying to help create housing incentives uh, that would allow people to live uh, near their workplace rather than having long commutes. Yeah, and uh, the realtors were there, and then, of course they were 
ecstatic about the impact it will have on them. Uh, the um, builders of of commercial property will get incentives to you know to stack uh, low income housing on top of those uh, those commercial areas. And so there were lots of different aspects of it. Uh, we didn't really spend a lot of time. Uh, in Florida Citizens Bank, it's focusing on the details. I know, but I really appreciate your feedback on this. I'm sure we'll get some uh, some more feedback from Kathleen on our discussion with her, Kathleen Pasadona, next next Tuesday. Let's talk about some of the things that are going on for you because there have been some great news lately with regard to public education. Well, the governor this year, uh, this week signed House Bill 1, uh, which was the education savings account. Uh, we, we worked hard to try to make that a little bit better. Uh, uh, we did actively support it. It, it uh, provides every child in Florida with a with the possibility uh, making them eligible for a seventy five hundred dollar um, scholarship uh, to uh, to to leave the public school, go to a private school, and or in some cases, homeschoolers uh, will be able to um, get that seventy five hundred dollars. But uh, the, the thing that we were trying to uh, influence, we were unsuccessful at. Uh, any homeschool family who takes the money no longer is classified under homeschool law. They're now classified under a new program called Personalized Education Program, and they do have to take government tests. Ah. So we we argued against that because anytime you have to take government tests, uh, the inclination is to teach the curriculum to teach to the test. Right, and, and in, uh, in most cases, uh, homeschooling, they're using... Uh, more classical education, or they're different curricula than than they are in the public schools. So that's that's a that's not good. Yeah. Well, we think the second thing we fought in that bill, and we think we we got uh, some wording. It's not exactly the wording we want, but it protects the right of uh, of all private and public school uh, and uh, homeschool families and this new classification uh, to teach the curriculum that they choose. So. We'll see how that actually gets implemented. The devil is, uh, in, the, in this case, is going to be in the rules that the SBA, State Board of Education writes and and, uh, and gets implemented through Step Up, uh, which is the um, the student funding organization that distributes all the money. So, um, well, you know, Keith, let me let me let me just say at this point that uh, literally this is a huge accomplishment. I would guess this puts Florida as number one when it comes to school choice. And uh, supporting parents, and as well as kids, and getting a great education for them. So, I I attribute a lot of that success to the Florida Citizens Alliance. So, congratulations to you. Well, uh, we we worked hard on on, on the uh, bill. Uh, like I said, we would have liked to see it be a little bit better, but at the end of the day, we strongly supported it. It is a good bill, and it's going to put huge competition on our our, our government schools, and hopefully, that competition will help them get better, uh, so they don't lose those students to private schools. So we'll see. Yeah, that, that is terrific. So what's your focus right now? Well, there's a couple of others. We don't have a lot of time, but I'll just give you a quick update on a couple of things. The union reform bill that would require the unions to collect their own dues uh, is uh, passed both uh, its committees in the Senate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to a second uh, of, of two committees in the House. It will pass, and uh, that that's a great bill. That's um, huge. Uh, yep. That's great. Um, the heartbeat bill uh, has passed, passed uh, both, uh, you know, that limits of, uh, of abortion to six weeks rather than the 15-week last year. And uh, it's passed both of its um, committees in the Senate and one more to go in the House. Uh, I'm confident it will move uh, and, and go to the floor. Uh, there's an interesting bill that um, is, is literally passed both chambers. It's called the clinical intervention, uh, gender clinical intervention. Uh, and it, 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 in the House, which is the version we're supporting, has a stronger bill than the Senate. In the, in the House, if any medical professional uh, is involved in surgical mutilation of a minor uh, or provides puberty, puberty blockers, uh, they, they are committing a third-degree felony mm. and uh, a significant fine and will lose their license. In the Senate, uh, they've taken away the, the third-degree felony penalty um, uh, we're always strong advocates. If you if you do legislation, and you don't put strong penalties in them. Then I think they're worthless. So. Well, losing a license that's that's pretty severe. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, the key, uh, yeah. I was going to say we can't take more time now, but right now I just want to yeah. make sure that our listeners are aware of the website goflca.org. 
GoFLCA.com. GoFLCA.com is the website for the Florida Citizens Alliance. You missed the uh, gala, and they raised a, a lot of money last week, but uh, never well, not enough to run the organization. So make a contribution. Not only uh, take a look at the very robust website, but make a contribution to the Florida Citizens Alliance. GoFLCA.com. Keith, always appreciate your commentary and the great work you're doing here in, in Florida. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with uh, Michael Cannon. He's Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. He is Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be back, Bob. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. Uh, The Cato Institute is a libertarian think tank. We're in Washington, D.C. We've been around since 1977, and we advocate the ideas and ideals of individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. Uh, Great organization. Cato.org is the website. Cato, C-A-T-O. Dot org. So, Michael, I understand for those that are concerned about the fentanyl crisis and drug overdoses, there's some good news. There really is. Uh, U.S. residents got a little bit freer uh, yesterday, uh, freer to make more of their own health decisions because the Food and Drug Administration announced that it would be making the opioid overdose antidote, naloxone, available over-the-counter so that people can get it without having to get a prescription from a physician. Now, the FDA makes it sound like, this is wonderful news, mm-hmm. uh, the FDA makes it sound like they're doing us a favor, but uh, in fact, the FDA has been blocking access to this incredibly important medication sure. for 52 years. Well, here's the thing. I mean, if you have a crisis where your child is suffering and needs an antidote, you can't go get a prescription <laughs> and get it right. filled. He, he, the, the way opioid overdoses work, and they become more severe as a result of the uh, the war on drugs, drug prohibition, uh, uh, the iron law of prohibition says that the more you clamp down on an illegal substance, the more potent that substance is going to be because people need to be able to conceal it from the cops. And, you know, a higher potency means uh, uh, that it's more easier to conceal. 
uh, because you, you get the same hit from smaller amounts. That's what's driven the black market in uh, in opioids toward fentanyl, toward this yeah. incredibly dangerous uh, synthetic synthetic opioid, and uh, and as a result, a, a lot of people are overdosing on this. And when that happens, when your opioid users' uh, heart rate and respiratory rate drop because they've gotten a much bigger dose than is than is safe, you seconds count, and you don't have time to go to get a prescription from a doctor. And yet, for 50 years, ever since the FDA approved naloxone. Uh, to reduce opioid overdoses. Back in 1971, the FDA has been requiring people to get prescriptions. Italy got rid of any sort of uh, prescription requirement, allowed naloxone over the counter back in 1996. Australia did it in 2006. There have been studies in the United States showing that non-medical personnel can use this drug to reverse opioid overdoses, and yet the FDA has, as I said, been blocking it for these 52 years since it approved the drug, um, uh, blocking people from using it by requiring them to get a physician's prescription first. That's so interesting. An unusual amount of sanity involved in the decision. It's just uh, really terrific. Is there any downside with the drug? In other words, any side effects or anything that could uh, harm someone? Practically, uh, the answer is no. Basically, none. Uh-huh. If you're not suffering from an opioid overdose, then this drug has no effect on you. It has no abuse potential. It is absolutely ridiculous and unforgivable that the FDA kept this out of consumers' hands for as long as it did. Is it expensive? It is expensive, and that's actually why I think one of the reasons why it remains uh, uh, prescription only, because when because insurance is more likely to cover prescription drugs. Mm-hmm. And as long as it was prescription only, the manufacturers of Naloxone <clears throat> knew they could get higher prices than they could on the over-the-counter market where uh, insurance is less likely to cover the drug. More of the customers are going to be cash-paying consumers who are going to be price-conscious and who are going to spark price competition that drives those prices down. The manufacturers did not want the FDA to move it to over-the-counter status. In fact, back in 2019, we at the Cato Institute had a briefing on this issue, uh, on naloxone and why it should be over-the-counter on Capitol Hill. Lots of congressional staff came. And when we announced this event, after we announced the event, four different representatives from a naloxone manufacturer contacted four different Cato Institute employees saying, are you sure you really want to have this event? Can we be a part of it so that we can provide our perspective? We think it's too dangerous to Uh. make this over the counter. Consumers aren't paying that much out of pocket. They just wanted to keep it prescription only so that they could keep getting high prices. But now that it's over the counter, now that you can get it without a prescription, I think we can expect the price to fall. So the the short answer is, Bob, it's not expensive to manufacture, Uh but it has been expensive to purchase because the drug... Com- the, the companies that make it have been selling it mostly to insurance companies, to ins- through insurance companies, and uh, that increases prices. Well, I take it since it was uh, 1971 that the uh, patent has now uh, expired, right? So, I mean, anybody can produce it. That's going to drive the price down as well. There are new <laughs> patents, as you know. Uh, the drug manufacturers will file uh, uh, what they call evergreening patents that allow them to extend the patent life of their drugs. So e- even if uh, the original molecule is no longer under patent, they might tweak it this way or that. Mm-hmm. They might come up with a new delivery system. Uh, but yes, the original molecule is off patent and, uh, uh, and is not going to be expensive. However, I think the original uh, uh, delivery mechanism was, was an injection. And uh, nowadays they have uh, nasal inhalers, which are much simpler to use. In fact, at that Capitol Hill briefing, we had a representative from the D.C. Department of Public Health come and uh, teach the entire uh, the entire room, all those congressional staff, how to administer naloxone. And then because D.C. had passed a special law, she was able to distribute that wow. to the congressional staffers. So they all, anyone who wanted one could take home one of these naloxone inhalers, and they knew how to use them. Yeah. Uh, the, the training is just so rudimentary that anybody can do this and uh uh and and so it is much easier to administer now than through an injection and even the prices for those 
nasal inhalers, we can expect those prices to fall. In the meantime, I would, ex- I think it'd be a good idea, for example, to have those nasal inhalers available at schools, maybe at uh, uh, government buildings and that type of thing. Is And of course, if I were a parent with a young person, I th- I'd think about getting one just to have it on, on site so that if something happens, uh, you'd be p- uh, prepared. Now, I think you're right. You know how they have uh, those little boxes that say, in case of fire, break glass, and there's a fire extinguisher behind it. Yeah. Or in case of a heart attack, break glass, and there's a defibrillator behind it. Yeah. They should have a third box with naloxone in it. It's a great idea. In schools, uh, in bars, in college dormitories, anywhere that, and, and, you know, this is a, this is a personal issue for us. Uh, uh, for me, I have a friend, uh, whose brother died of an opioid overdose because, uh, he was alone, uh, and, uh, uh, and, this this medication was not nearby. Yeah. If if there are, um, I mean, it should be available in vending machines. Yeah. Uh, so that so that people can uh, have it uh, at the ready whenever they see someone who they believe is suffering from an opioid overdose. Mike, I, I couldn't agree more. I think this is just great news coming from uh, the public health sector. It's just really great news. And uh, I really appreciate you sharing this information with us. Again, Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute, cato.org is the website. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Anytime, Bob. Take care. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodge University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Times they're changing and trends in funeral services are no exception. The traditional somber formal affair marking one's passing is transitioning into a celebratory event where family and friends can gather more casually in a relaxed setting that incorporates the comforts of home. Each of issues unique. We're all made up of little details that makes us different and irreplaceable. At Hodges Funeral Home at Naples Memorial Gardens, there are many details that set them apart, differences you'll find nowhere else. Hodges Funeral Home at Memorial Gardens offers flexible chapel and event space, a modern funeral home, a celebration of life center, cremation options, and a 100% service guarantee. Call Hodges Funeral Home at Naples Memorial Gardens at 239-597-3101. That's 239-597-3101. Or visit the website dignitymemorial.com. That's www.dignitymemorial.com. 
welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Short Playhouse. Changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And I hope you'll visit the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Barefoot in the Park by Neil Simon is playing right now. I've talked to a couple of friends that said it's absolutely fantastic. We're going to be going to see it this week. Barefoot in the Park and Neil Simon's play playing at Golf Shore Playhouse. Again, the website is golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Uh, I can't. We're not doing it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we exist through the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and we're hurtling in the opposite direction. More and more, we certainly are. By the way, Seton is talking to us from Belize, and I have a degree yeah. of envy when I'm <laughs> visiting with Seton about uh, about these issues. Where I guess it, uh, Belize isn't woke, is it? No, God, no. Oh, no, my, my greatest form of entertainment since moving down here is telling native Belizeans we're having an honest-to-God political debate about whether or not men can get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> they, they all look. They all look. They're like, what the hell? Yeah, the, 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 what I'm reminded of is the ancient. I think it's from ancient Rome. The quote: "Before the gods kill us, they make us mad." Well, that's... and you're reminded of that every day when you, you know, it, I'm, my, my little the whole country has 420,000 people. I'm in one district called Stan Creek. In this district, there are black Garifuna who speak Garifuna. The Mayans speak Creole, but not like a Creole like you. It's broken English. It's not like a Creole you hear in, you know, New Orleans. It's right. not like that. But then there's also two of the three Mayan dialects spoken here, which are called Maya and Keche. Then there's Mennonites that speak Low German. They're white and they, you know, they're they're tall blonde Germans. They speak Low German to each other. Then there's uh, the Spanish contingent from you know Honduras and Guatemala, and they all speak Spanish. And no one cares. Yeah. And they all speak English because it's the official language that's what's taught in school. But no one cares that, you know, you go to the, vi the village down in Placencia, and a Mennonite's talking to a Garifuna, and they're laughing it up, and they don't care that one's black and one's white, and no one cares. And, you know, it's just, it's, just, it's, it's just a daily, minute-by-minute minute reminder about how insane the U.S. has gotten. Well, it sounds to me that there's a conspicuous absence of identity politics at Belize. Well, there's no, yeah, there's, what little politics there are is quite corrupt, but it's straight transactional, which is much better. Instead of, well, no, it's much cheaper and much better because instead of, instead of what we have, which is lobbyists going and lobbying for their pet projects, which cost everybody else to benefit them, here, my, my, my contractor just told me, he goes, yeah, what they do is they drag their feet on approving the contracts. I mean, I mean the, uh, the permits. See, since I go in there, I bribe one guy, and all my permits are approved. Yeah. Done. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's straight transactional. It's much cheaper. So, yeah, and there's none of that. There's none of that. I mean, you can't po possibly do identity politics. It's just, it's so, everyone's so ingrained in with each other. That's great. That it wouldn't, they wouldn't, I don't think it would occur to them to do it. I mean, to, to, to react to it in that uh, way. Well, it wouldn't occur to anybody here to do it unless they were, it was promoted by the Democrat Party. So, well, well it's, a, it's been a full-on assault. It's the government schools, it's the college and universities, it's the right. media. And there's, just that, there's not that much density of government to do that here. Yeah, which is a good thing. So, Seton, you wrote a piece uh, at lessgovernment.org. Are destructive Biden judges teeing up Biden's destructive FTC? Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, there was a, you know, there was a, a stupid case that was just ruled by a Biden judge. You've heard, um, we talked about this, uh, this on Tuesday, the shareholder activism, where the, they buy a tiny percentage of stock yeah. and then go to the share, shareholder meetings. Well, part of that lawsuit, part of the lawsuit that they're hearkening back to is the Apple Qualcomm case, where they tried to say, that patents violated antitrust law because it's a monopoly. Hmm. Duh. <laughs> uh, patents are a monopoly. Right. It, you know, it's like suing Shaquille O'Neal for being tall. Yeah. So 
what what would happen is that judge ruled opening up that reopening that case, even though it's been adjudicated all the way up to the Supreme well, sort of the Supreme Court. It got adjudicated up to the high a high district court that said uh, uh, well, it got to the high district court, and then Apple said, "Okay, we we we're wrong, and we'll pay up." It's not, you know, they were suing under those on those grounds, and then said, "It's dumb, we're not doing it." So then the Supreme Court, then Apple kept suing anyway after the settlement, and the Supreme Court twice refused to take the case, meaning they didn't accept Apple's argument. Right. Um. So. Me, me, so now there's two judges. There's this one judge that just opened up the shareholder nonsense. There's another judge that basically said you can you can continue. Uh, Apple's still suing, and you can continue to sue uh, Qualcomm based on patents being monopolies, which is completely absurd. Again, right? Well, those two judges are teeing up the FTC, which is led by Lena Khan, who walked into the front, front door saying, "I'm going to completely revamp how." Antitrust is done at the FTC, which means dramatically expand it to abuse as much as many people as possible. Yeah, and what happened was the FTC was still suing on the grounds that Qualcomm's patents were antitrust. Well, instead of taking it to the Supreme Court, the FTC dropped the case. But they did that specifically because I think, and they seem to telegraph this. They said. If the Supreme Court rules against us, we can't do what we want to do on antitrust. Ah. So they dropped the case knowing that most likely the, the Supreme Court was going to tell them to go take a flying leap. Ah. So they backed off the case to start all over and do a, a, a full-on push of antitrust against everything they could get their hands on, including patents. Wow. And so these judges, I, I you know... I start the piece with the George Carlin quote, you know, you don't need meetings to have a conspiracy. You know, if, if, they have, if, they, if they're like-minded, they went to the same colleges and universities, they're, you know, they, they go to the same schools, they, they, they go to the same country clubs, they have like-minded interests, and they, they row in the same direction without having to tell each other that they're rowing in the same direction. Right. So do I think Lena Khan, the chairman of the FTC, called these judges? No. But... But, you know, I, I went through, and each time I mentioned a judge or a, a, a bureaucrat, I mentioned that they all, you know, they went to grad school, they went to law school at Yale. They went to undergrad at Yale. They went to grad school, and, uh, law school and undergrad at Harvard. You know, it's the same thing. You know, and, uh, Seton, I'll just point out that we started the conversation by saying politics are corrupt in Belize, but they're transactional. Here it's ideological, and it seems to dominate everything. I, probably in Belize, they, they try and pay off a judge. <laughs> Here is, yeah, well, yeah. Well, there's, a, there's that quote that the worst form of despot is the one who does it for your own good. Right. Because, you know, at least, at least someone who's doing it for money can at some point go, okay, I got enough money, I'm cool. But the person doing it with their with their, with the approval of their conscience will never stop because they they can they in their warped mind they can look themselves in the mirror and go to sleep at night. I'd like to just recommend to our listeners go to lessgovernment.org, visit and read this column as well as others that Seton's written that are really so interesting in an area that I think is so important to the United States, which is, of course, patent protection is, is one of the key concerns for uh, Seton Motley. Again, Seton Motley, the president of Less Government, I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. Always my pleasure. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239 239- 
325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and they know the policy. They help prepare elected officials to, uh, to prepare in the, their legislation. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of, of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, hey, Bill. Robert. It's very nice to join you on this uh, gorgeous Thursday. It is a gorgeous Thursday, Bill. So uh, I'd be interested right now, things are winding down here on the Paradise Coast. We're seeing more and more car carriers coming in and taking away cars. Uh, are, things, are, are things slowing down in Naples? <clears throat> yeah, people are reporting in that they're, they're, they are seeing car carriers and... Uh, uh, I guess our winter residents are uh, are heading north. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, uh, that the season's so short, isn't it? Yeah, well, we didn't think it was short in the middle of it, did we? <laughs> no, we didn't. Well, <laughs> any good scoop? What's going on in Naples? Well, Naples has been pretty has been pretty quiet. Um, the um, the last couple of meetings there was. They they were long meetings um, with not a heck of a lot accomplished. They're now thinking about uh, you know they got a couple of they only have a, like two months till their summer break. Uh-huh. Um, I will tell you, Bob, I'm hearing an awful lot about next year and about the uh, politics and uh, uh, you know because the, the the mayor's seat is up and uh, there's some council members' seats that are up and uh, wow I'm hearing. A lot of rumors going around. Uh, can any so, any you can share with us? I mean, uh, are there candidates that are emerging to run for for uh, well, mayor? Well, I I hope to be able to do that once it's official in a, in a couple of weeks. Because I heard some that that um, I heard that that uh, one council member is thinking about giving up his seat and uh, moving up into state politics. But I don't want to start that rumor. But I will. Right certainly let you know first and right. foremost if uh, something like that happens and um they're um <clears throat> i think they're making some progress you know our Loudermilk park is open some of the beaches are open the beach ends are 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 opening up and uh slowly slowly but surely but i think the one thing we don't want to forget bob is you know it's superficially when you ride around naples um and you have to admit it yourself everything looks great yeah you know what i mean but you don't want to forget there's still an awful lot of people in Collier County and in Naples over on Gulf Shore and everything that the places are still just totally demolished. And uh, and you don't want to forget about them. <laughs> you know, it's a tendency. Well, it's not a topic of conversation anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, some of so, those properties are just totally destroyed. It's. I mean, I, I would imagine that several of them are going to be condemned <clears throat> or maybe oh, already yeah. have been. Sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They they can't do anything with them. And that's the problem that they're having 
with the city planners and uh, there's some um, uh, they, they can't seem to make up their mind what they want to do, and they are getting definitely getting opposition from a lot of the architects and, and builders and everything saying you can't just go forge ahead and do this. We need to be able to, to talk and plan it out, and you need to have more than just two meetings back-to-back, which they did, and which the first one was not good and the second one was better. But, you, you know, the people are... are are leaving and there's no rush yeah they have to do it if they're going to do it they have to do it right i would agree yeah. with that on the other hand most people want to be around and what important decisions are being made about their community they'd like to and there's been accusations in the past that well they're making these decisions when we're gone <laughs> you know so uh, the one thing that i'm concerned about is that uh, uh, developers are going to start buying up these properties once they're condemned and everybody's left the the property. Uh, they're going to go to the city council and say, you know what, we cannot possibly build something here if we don't have a uh, some sort of variance on the <clears throat> on the regulations because uh, we're going to have to build something that's <clears throat> six, seven, eight stories high in order for us to be able to make any money to, and to do this. Uh, do you think there's going to be a lot of changes in terms of uh, the the regulations? No, I, I don't, and people don't want them changed. <coughs> That's the whole thing here. They made it very clear that um, that they, they don't want changes. They want it so as close to being the way that it was as they can make it. You know, you're going to have to, FEMA's going to have more regulations. You know, there's going to be a whole lot of different changes there. Yeah. Because everything. And every time there's a hurricane, um, you know, they the state of Florida, you know, they, they change them for the better. Yeah. I want to say that. Um, but there's going to be a lot of changes. And, and as to your point, if I know we're done with time, but as to your point of developers coming in, they're in. They're already here. But there's only so much that they can do. They can't just come in and say, who are they going to say it to? Um, the uh, the, city, the city, city council. Planning or or zoning, you know, yeah. they're not going to say that because there has to be plans in place of what they can do and what they can't do. Yeah. So there's no doubt that they're going to be condemned. There's a lot of places they're going to be condemned, and then they'll figure out what what to do. Yeah. I don't think they'll see three stories, but uh, you know, w- w- with the level that they're going to have to be built up to, but that time will tell there. I mean, but that's something you just don't want to rush. So two other quick questions before I let you go. Um, uh, so is Teresa Heitman going to run for her uh, seat as mayor again? Is, is Teresa Heitman going to run for mayor again? Well, that's the that's the $64 million. Well, that's probably prices going up. I can't say that anymore, right, Bob? Right. It's not the $4 million question. It's uh, probably $400 million question. The ru- rumors, I mean, there's just rumors around. Um, I've had people tell me that she is not. Um, and... Um, Quite candidly, I hope that's the case. But yeah. um, uh, <laughs> but um, uh, I, I'm hoping that Gary Price decides he is going to run for mayor because he would be a terrific mayor for the city of Naples. Sure would. Um, and um, so I will keep you informed on that. Um, and that that would really be good. But it's a little bit early. You know, usually next fall we'll be busy. I know that. Well, thank you, Bill. And, and last question, the property next to Sea Salt there, that where they're going to build the hotel. Any, yeah. up, any update? No, Bob. I, You know, it, it's been fenced off, and I mean, everything else, but I don't, <coughs> I have not heard a word, and um, I think people have asked, but they're just not sure um, what they're going to do. I don't think they're going to build that hotel, but what, we, what you and I saw Yeah, that was all planned out. So... Um, I'll see if I can find something out this week. I'll make myself a note right now and tell you next week. Bill Barnett again, former mayor of Naples. Always appreciate your commentary here on the show and your friendship. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, you have a wonderful weekend, and uh, uh, we'll speak to you next week. Look forward to it. Thank you, Bill. All right, well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Tomorrow we've got some terrific guests, including William Yateman, uh, who's the senior legal fellow at the uh, Pacific Legal Foundation, Larry Bell, and Dodd Professor at the University of Houston. We have some other guests as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. That's one of the ways we get the words out and support our advertisers. And we can't do the show without them. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>
Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>